Hey, this is Tanner Sherlock. I'm the pastor at Shadow State Chi Alpha. And this is our podcast where our mission is to make disciples who then make disciples. Be sure and subscribe so you can get our content every time we post. And I pray that this message blesses you today. God bless. As someone who has struggled with pride my entire life, uh, hardcore at certain points, I've grown in humility as I've gotten older and as I've intentionally sought out to kill the pride in my life and to kill the things that make me prideful. But I've also learned a few things about pride in that same process. And so um, I'm trying to bring some of my wisdom of what pride is through the process of killing my own pride, along with what the Bible tells us pride is and what the Bible tells us humility looks like. And so while trying to navigate all those things, try to give you guys a practical understanding of what pride and what humility really is. And so over my experience and through my life, I've really kind of grown to figure out, I've grown to learn that what pride really is, at least within my life, it's when my self-worth is so low that I compensate to try to make myself feel superior to others. So when my self-worth is so low that I feel like I need to be better at somebody else in order to make myself feel better, that's what pride really is. At its roots, at its, its core cause, and now that can manifest in a lot of different ways. For me, it manifested, especially within playing college sports. I viewed that, oh, because I went to a D1 school to play football and I played at a, at a, a high level and I was better than everybody else that it made me feel better as an athlete. But it's also manifested in the form of depression and anxiety as well. Because I feel the need to be better than the people around me a lot of times to the point where it gives me anxiety. And even walking into a room, I want to give a good impression because I care so much about what they think because I want them to think of me highly. And at its base, in reality, what it comes down to, and I'm going to read that again, is pride is when our self-worth is so low that we compensate by trying to be or feel superior to others. And sometimes that can be in the form of putting others down. Sometimes that can be in the form of putting ourselves down and feeling depressed. And ultimately, all of that kind of in, in, in circles what is pride in our lives. And so on the contrary, a lot of times what we think of humility then is that it's viewing yourself as being worthless, as being insecure, as being um, a people pleaser. A lot of those ways were how we manifest um, what humility is. So in order for me to be humble, I need to be a people pleaser. In order for me to be humble, I have to think lowly of myself. In order to be humble, I have to be less than, and I have to put other people above me to a level that makes me feel worthless. And unfortunately, actually fortunately, that is not what humility is. That's not the definition of humility. That's not what scriptural humility is. Humility is viewing yourself as you really actually are. And so as in Chi Alpha, we say being self-aware. Self-awareness is the only way that we can truly be humble and being true with who you are. And so that's basically what we're going to be unpacking tonight. Um, When I first, (coughs) sorry, when I first set out to be a pastor, I uh, signed up to do an internship with uh, the church now that's called Northfield, but back then it was called C3. And uh, the pastor there, his name was Pastor Dominic. He was still to this day one of the best preachers that I've ever sat under and ever learned from. His, his ability to speak was next level. 
And so I reached out to him um, while I was a Chi Alpha student, actually, to ask if I could do an internship because I was looking about uh, looking at pursuing ministry as a career. And so I reached out to him because he was the best speaker I could imagine because I, my intention was I wanted to sit under him as an intern so that I could learn how to preach like him, so that I could speak like him and, and become more like him in my ability to share sermons. And so I agreed to do this internship, and this internship was going to last about six months. And... Uh, I showed up day one and I pull up and I've got my Bible. I've got this big, thick notebook that I bought special. It was all decorative and it was like next level. Like it was like a $20 notebook. I don't know why, but I bought this expensive notebook and I showed up and I was ready to go. And I walk into the door and uh, Pastor D grabs my stuff, sets it down. And he's like, come with me. And so we hopped in his car. We drove down to Baumgars, bought this big, huge thing of industrial size, like weed eater. And that's, uh, it was like, a I don't even know what brand it was, but it was just this giant industrial size thing, a weed eater. And we drive back to the church. And uh, if you've ever been to Northfield, the parking lot there is pretty decent sized. And so we step out of the vehicle and he looks at the corner. He's like, okay, you see the corner over there? This is where the property starts. And what I want you to do is I haven't had time to weedy or not weedy. I haven't had time to spray the weeds. And so I want you to spend the next few hours going basically lawnmower style over the entire parking lot and basically spray every crack and every weed that you see. And immediately I was pretty upset because I was like, I signed on for this internship. Like I'm here to learn how to preach. I'm here to learn how to be a pastor. Like I know how to spray weeds. This is no big deal. Like, what do you want me to do this for? I'm not your slave. But I was like, okay, I want to be respectful in this. So I was like, all right, I'll talk to him about it later. No problem. So I sprayed all the weeds. And uh, it took me, gosh, I think it took took four hours to spray all the weeds. Like it took a while. My hands were cramped. My back hurt. It was kind of ridiculous. And so I was upset. And so we, I hit in right about the time lunch pulled around. We grabbed lunch. And uh, after lunch, immediately, D had me start cleaning the church. He was like, I want you to vacuum. Here's a vacuum. I want you to go ahead and start vacuuming. And so I'm like livid at this point because I'm like, I, I didn't sign on for an internship just to take care of the church. I can just take care of the church. I don't need to do an internship. Like I can do that separate for an internship. I want to learn how to preach. And so after I got done vacuuming in the church, um, Pastor D came and he had a little heart to heart with me. And he basically explained to me that if you want to be a pastor, 90% of being a pastor, and he was like, even I will even extend this beyond being a pastor, 90% of being a Christian, 90% of being a Christian is being a servant to those around you. 90% of being like Jesus is being a servant to those around you. The 10% is preaching as a pastor. And so if we focus our 90% of our energy on the 10%, then we'll miss 90% of the people that God has for us. We'll miss 90% of the assignments that God is wanting us to walk through. We'll miss the 90% of what God is asking us to do. If we completely lose sight of the other 90%, we will lose 90% of people then. And so in that internship, long story short, I learned a lot about what it is to serve somebody and a little bit about preaching. And I can tell you that from that point till now, the amount of time that I've put into 
reducing my, my pride and growing in my humility is 10 times higher than the amount of time I've put into becoming a better preacher. And I can still tell you I'm a better preacher than I am at being humble. And so that internship taught me the basis of what it is to love those around us and what it looks like to be a Christian. And so I tell that story just to kind of segue into the scripture that we're going to talk about. So for the last two weeks, just to give you an idea um, and a reminder, we've been diving into Philippians. We first learned that the Philippian, the church in Philippi, is a church that Paul helped to plant. We learned that Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi from prison. And we learned that we first have to love people before we can call them to grow or to change. And that how we love people matters. And so this week we're going to be diving into Philippians 2, which is uh, starting in verse 2. So if you guys are there, <coughs> if not, it's beyond board. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interests, but make an interest in others too. And so now my story that I told you about my internship. The first day of my internship was the most frustrating by far. But as I learned Pastor D's heart, uh, that opinion quickly changed because literally on day two of my internship, I had to help Pastor Dominic with a funeral. And so I'd show up at this funeral early in order to help him with whatever he needs help with as his intern. And really, ultimately, he didn't even need a whole lot of help. He just kind of wanted me to observe. And so I was like, okay, this is, I, I get this part of an internship because this is something that I do need to learn. This is something that if I do want to be a pastor, uh, might be something hopefully I don't have to do very many of, but it's something that I'm probably going to have to learn. And so I was taking in everything that I could possibly see. And the thing that I saw on day two was Pastor D officiating a funeral of a saint who had been in the church a really long time. And that Dominic had basically humbled himself and set himself as the lowest in that room and basically catered as much as he possibly could to the family. And so he was doing things like setting up chairs. He was doing things like um, bringing in people's stuff, the older people that couldn't bring in their stuff that they wanted to, their, their gifts, their consolation, or not consolation, their um, consolement gifts and stuff like that for the family. He was doing anything and everything. He was running all over the place. He made himself as available as he possibly could. And then he stood up and he shared stories about this, this uh, older lady who was a saint in the church and, uh, Stories as though he was a part of the family. And it was stories that he had gotten to know her really well over the last few years that he had been there. And at this time, I think he had only been at the church maybe three years. But it sounded like the way that he talked, it sounded like he had been a part of their family forever. And so I realized that really quickly, Pastor Dominic actually cared for this family. He actually loved this family. And uh, he had basically made himself as available as he possibly can. And I can tell you that in my, my experience in the years since then, you know, I've had to, to bury my mom and dad. And I've shared that before. Um, and I had pastors who made themselves available to me, who catered to my needs in that moment. And I can tell you that as a servant, um, 
you know, as a pastor, being a servant was the most important thing that they could do because knowing that they, that I could have them and lean on them in those moments made a huge difference. And so <clears throat> I learned really quickly, literally day two, what it looked like to be a servant to others. And now not everybody's going to be learning how to, to officiate funerals and not everybody's going to be taking care of churches, but um, as time has gone on, I've learned to appreciate the spraying the weeds a lot more than I used to, if that makes sense, within ministry. Because I've learned that being a Christian, it's not about me. I've learned that as a Christian in this life, the things I do, the things that I make, the things, the decisions I make, the bulk of who I am and who my identity is in Christ needs to be wrapped around the concept that it's not about me. My life is no longer about me. As a Christian, my life is no longer about me. As a Christian, whether you're a pastor, like you're not going to be a pastor necessarily, but as a Christian, your life is no longer about you anymore. There's a bigger purpose. There's more to it. So let's uh, reread verse 2, starting in verse 2, Philippians 2. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with, with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take the interests in others too. Continuing verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I'm going to repeat that. You must. There's an emphasis on must. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of himself or he did not think of equally with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of high honor and gave him names above all other names, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we talk a lot as Christians, we talk a lot about how Jesus died for us on the cross. And unfortunately, the problem with that is that we talk about it so much and we talk about it in such loose terms that we've lost the entire impact of it. We've become numb to it. It's a common conversation. Jesus died for us on the cross. This is the gospel of Jesus. He lived for us and he died for us. And he basically died the criminal's death and was sacrificed and crucified a horrible, painful death. The impact of those words has become numb to us. We've heard them so often, repeated so often in the church, that they've basically become powerless. And so for me, the biggest revelation of Jesus wasn't necessarily that he died on the cross for me, even though that is the most important thing with my salvation in mind. The biggest revelation that I had with Jesus was when I realized during my internship that Jesus would have hopped in right next to me and sprayed weeds. Jesus would have been plunging the toilet. Jesus would have been vacuuming the church. Jesus would have been doing the most mundane task that he could possibly do in order to serve those around him. He'd have been unclogging the toilets. He'd have humbled himself and served right alongside me. 
And instead of being indignant and pissed off about it like I was, he'd have done it happily. And so that was the moment where my heart started to shift and I started to realize that the biggest thing that Jesus did was he served those around him. He served us. He served you. He was a servant to us. Even though He is our God, even though He is our Savior, He is our Lord, He still recognized the importance of serving those around you. And so who are we to be so indignant and so prideful to not serve those around us? Are we saying that we're better than God? When we get so full of our own self and so, so on track with our own goals and our own life and our own needs, the things that we have set out to do, now it's important to have goals, have goals. But when your goals take priority over other people, when those goals take priority over the salvation of those around you, when those goals take priority over loving your neighbor, you've effectively deemed yourself as a Christian that you're more important than Jesus himself. Saying you're better than him. And you're saying it with your actions. And the reason I know this is because in John 13, Jesus says, not Jesus says, Jesus knows that Judas is about ready to betray him. Like, he already knows. He's already called it out. And yet he washed Judas' feet anyway. You think of the most mundane task you can think of, washing feet's high on that list. And Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew he had one day left to live. He knew he was going to be sacrificed. He knew he was going to be crucified on the cross. He had one day left to live. He spent it washing disciples' feet and serving those around him. And so in my story, Pastor D wasn't looking for the next hotshot pastor. He wasn't looking for somebody who could preach the best sermon he's ever heard. He wasn't looking for somebody who was so highly gifted and talented that he was going to make his job easier. No, he was looking for somebody who wasn't afraid of doing the dirty jobs, who wasn't afraid of humbling himself, who wasn't afraid of thinking himself lower than in order to serve those around him in order to do the mundane job, in order to make Pastor D's life easier, in order to make the church board's life easier, in order to make the church a better place, in order to et cetera, et cetera. And so when Pastor D finally realized, or not when Pastor D, when I finally realized what Pastor D was looking for, and I began to actually walk in my internship in humility, and I began to actually walk in my internship with the heart to serve and look forward to my internship and what I could do in order to better the church, in order to better those around me, in order to better Pastor D's life. That was the moment when Pastor D actually took me aside and started to teach me how to preach. And he wasn't going to allow me to have the pulpit until he knew that I had a heart of humility. And so the scripture that we're reading here, saying that Jesus is God. He's equal in the Trinity, and yet He submitted Himself to the Father. I think that's really important. I think that's a really overlooked piece of scripture. I think a lot of times we glance over that. Uh, you want to go to the next scripture slide, Jordan? Yeah. Thank you. 
So Jesus submitted to the Father based off of the Scripture. He not only submitted to the Father, but He also submitted to us. He submitted to you. God submitted to you. And he submitted to me. And He died on the cross for us. And He didn't submit to us because we were greater than Him. He didn't submit to us because we had the possibility of being greater than Him. He didn't submit to us because of anything other than He loved us. He submitted to you because He loved you. And so He humbled Himself, submitted Himself, and He died for you. He didn't die on the cross so that you could have an easy life. He didn't die on the cross so that you could be extremely selfish or so you could be wealthy or he didn't die on the cross so you could get good grades. He didn't die on the cross so you could get a degree. He didn't die on the cross so you could have a six-figure job and with a white picket fence. He didn't die on the cross so that you could excel at your sport. He didn't die on the cross so that you could get a scholarship or so that Someday you could be a professional athlete. Someday you could be a wealthy businessman. He didn't die on the cross for those reasons. He died on the cross so that you didn't have to. He was crucified so you didn't have to be. And so shortly after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, we see in John 13 that He says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are My disciples. Love one another. I want everybody to look around in this room real quick. Make a quick observation of who's in this room. Okay, everybody observe. Now close your eyes. If the only way that anyone, including Jesus, could possibly know that you are a Christian, therefore the only way you could get into heaven was based on how you loved the other people in this room, are you getting into heaven? If the only way to get into heaven was how you served the other people in this room, are you getting into heaven? If the only way to get into heaven, even outside of this room, if the only way to get into heaven was by truly loving your neighbors, truly loving them, and serving them, are you getting into heaven? You guys can open your eyes. If there is even a little bit of hesitation in your heart, a little bit of saying no. I want to challenge you using, like, basically taking this scripture and making it your life. Like, this is, as Christians, the most important thing that we can do. 
Because this is what it looks like to strive after Jesus with our heart. Striving after Jesus, a lot of times we get it in our mind that striving after Jesus is spending 15 minutes a day reading my Bible and then spending 15 minutes a day in prayer and then going to Chi Alpha, going to church. Make sure I don't miss church because if I miss church, I'm less saved. We think that that's what it looks like to strive after Christ. Now, spending time with Jesus is extremely important. I'm not trying to say it's not. Spending time in the Word is extremely important. I'm not trying to say it's not. However, the way that the world will even know you're a Christian isn't by how well you have Scripture memorized. The way that the that Shatter State or Shatter State College would know that those in Chi Alpha are Christian isn't by how much time you spent with God today. It's not going to be by your attendance here at Chi Alpha. It's not going to be by your attendance at church. It's not going to be by your attendance at the other ministries. The way that Shatter State College is going to know that you're a Christian is by how you love one another. And how we love one another is looking after Christ as an example and humbling ourselves and serving those around us. The way that the world will know that you're a Christian is by getting over yourself long enough to love those around you. Now this is, and, and, and it's, and it's, most powerful. One of the hardest things that we can do. As a Christian and as, as a pastor myself, it is hard for me to get over myself long enough to remember the people around me at times. And so if it's hard for me, then I know it's hard for you. So I hope that nobody is sitting in here thinking that I'm condemning you and telling you that you've got to do better and that you're a horrible person because you're not. Because that's false humility and that in and of itself is pride as well. So I hope you hear what I'm saying is that we got to do better. All of us. We've got to do better. All of us. We got to do better. Especially the American church as a whole. And so even taking it beyond Chi Alpha, looking at the church as a whole, we were actually just talking earlier, talking about um, how there's a different, uh, we'll just call it a different denomination for the lack of wanting to get specific, and how they evangelize. And <clears throat> within that, looking at the Christian church and the American church and how poorly we evangelize, it's no wonder that the American church is dwindling and the amount of Christians in America is dwindling because for the last 10, 20 years, as Christians, we've sucked. We've, we've really sucked at this. We've been terrible at humbling ourselves. We've been terrible at loving our neighbor. We've been terrible at this stuff. We've, we've, we've hopped into politics and we've, we've basically tried to, to force our politics to become our savior. We've tried to say that the way we save America is by who we have as president or who we vote in or who... No, the way that we save this country is by humbling ourselves and loving our neighbor. And it starts with us in this room. It starts with you. It starts with me. Because our goal should be to be more like Jesus. And if we can't start here... There's no step two. This is step one, and, and until we get this, there's no step two. Jesus is by far the strongest person that I've ever learned about in my life. 
the things that he had to endure and the way that he had to endure it. I can only imagine what it would be like if, if us in this room, if I knew that tomorrow I was going to die and one of you was going to betray me, I guarantee the last thing I'm going to do is wash your feet. If we're going to dine together, you should probably check your food. And yet, to the very bitter end, he still loved Judas. He still wanted the best for him in his life. And so often we think of the strong people in our lives. We think of the strong people we want to be like. And a lot of times they're this hardened, top-notch either athlete or you know, within whatever your hobbies are, we kind of look at them as this hardened shell of a person who's just like on mission to be the best at whatever they're doing. And the crazy thing is that Jesus was the exact opposite of that. As strong as he was, he was the softest person. His heart was so soft for those around him. And so I would challenge you to be a stronger version of yourself. You really just must become more like Christ. And so as I shared a little bit briefly, you know, this is still something that I struggle with. And so I hope, again, that, that you aren't hearing me say that you're doing it wrong or you're failing or you've got to fix this or else, you know, whatever. There's no, there's no long-term, you know, I'm not going to give you a 10-step plan to become more humble and how to break out of, of pride and how to become more humble. Really what it comes down to is recognizing daily. Recognizing daily your own pride. And what does that look like? I mean, that looks like simple things. You can start with simple things like when you go to the grocery store, be polite to the people who are checking you out. Recognize, actually put yourself in their shoes for five seconds. Within Chi Alpha, within this sphere, honestly, it means recognizing who do you think, you know, who do you think needs Jesus right now? Who do you think, who in, everybody close your eyes. I'm feeling like, I'm sorry. I feel like we're, we need to kind of go in a little bit of a new direction with this. Jordan, go ahead and hit the mute button. I'm sorry. I, I, actually, I'm not going to apologize. I just feel like we just need to go in a new direction. I feel like this is a little too heavy right now. I feel like we're internalizing this and, and maybe it's just me. I feel like it's, it's not taking on the tone that it needs to take. It's hitting hard. Now, that's okay that it hits hard. Let it hit hard. If it's going to hit hard, let it hit hard. That's okay. But it's not in a heart of shame. It's, it, it shouldn't be received in a heart of, of, of shame or condemnation or bitterness or agenda-driven. I don't want this message to come off as though I'm, I'm trying to convince you you need to do something. I don't want to come off as though I'm trying to fix you or that there's something wrong with you. I want it to come off as though, honestly, I want to be more like Jesus. And loving those around me is how I be more like Jesus. That's really the heart of it, it's not complicated. 
I told a story about me serving and me not wanting to serve. And I feel like we all struggle with that regularly, of the battle of knowing we should serve, but also really wanting to, to push forward with our own goals and our own ambitions too. All these things can be good. But I want you to, to just think for a second. Who do you know at Shattern State College that's struggling? A lot of times the people who are struggling have this face of like, everything's perfect in my life. And they put forward this, almost they're trying to convince you that everything in their life is great. Usually the more that somebody needs to convince you that they're good, the more they're actually struggling. Who is that in your life? Who is that at Shattern State College that you know? And this is one of those reactionary periods where I truly believe that God speaks to us. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he helps us to discern what his will is and he helps us to navigate our life. And so this is one of those practical practice periods. So what I'm trying to do is elicit and walk you through what it's like to hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times what that looks like is, so when I say something like, who in your sphere of influence here at Shatter State College needs Jesus right now? A lot of times the very first person that comes to your mind is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is prompting somebody to you. That doesn't always work that way. And it doesn't work that way for everybody. But for most people, that's the way it works. And sometimes that person is somebody who's very close to you and it makes sense that they would pop up. And sometimes it's somebody who's not. <laughs> somebody, sometimes it's somebody who's, you would, almost, you would almost put off as they're your worst enemy. Who's that person that popped into your head? Who's the next person? Who's the second person on that list? We're going to do three people. Who's the second person on that list? That maybe they don't even necessarily, it's, it's not about their relationship with Jesus, but you just know that God's calling you to serve them in some capacity. Whether it's reaching out to them and just saying hi, whether it's taking them out for a meal, whether it's just hitting them up to just talk. Bro, sometimes we all just need to talk. And now who's that third person? Who's the third person on your list that needs Jesus that goes to college here at Shatter State College? And those of you guys going to retreat, your fourth is, who's that person I'm supposed to try to bring to retreat with us this weekend? Who's that person the Holy Spirit wants me to invite and wants me to, to talk to about retreat and going this weekend? Who's that person?
Show of hands, you guys have three or four people that came to your mind. Go ahead and just raise your hand. Okay, I'll give it a couple more minutes. Now what I want everybody to do is take out your phones. What do you use? Whatever app it is that you use to remind yourself of something, use that app. I either use my Google Calendar or I text myself something. Sometimes I'll even send myself an email if it's important enough. Do something. Write down those names. Fill out that list. Even if your list is incomplete, whatever names came to your mind, write them down. And so after tonight, the first step, and this should always be the first step, period. Step number one is pray for them. Pray for those people that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. The biggest way that we can humble ourselves, the the easiest way, not even the biggest way, the easiest way that we can humble humble ourselves and begin to serve those around us is to pray for those people. Is to stop praying for ourselves long enough to remember those around us. That's important. Pray for your needs. Do that. Pray for your needs. But pray for those around you too. That's the easiest way. That's the, it's the easiest way. And honestly, a lot of times it's one of the best ways because it gets us thinking about those people and it gets us our heart and our mind on those people. So pray for those people tonight. When you wake up in the morning, say a prayer for those people. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. Reach out to them. And allow whatever is going to unfold to unfold. Just reach out. And be self-aware. I think that's one aspect that maybe we didn't share a whole lot about tonight, but we will talk about more in, I guess it'd be two weeks. um, Because we're going to take a short break from this next week. And uh, we've got Jack is going to share his testimony next week. So I want everybody to be here to hear that because it's going to be a good one. I've gone through it. It's it's worth the hear. But we're going to go through that in a couple weeks. But, you know, just... Just allow yourself to care. A lot of times what happens is we care and then we get hurt. We care and then we get hurt. We care and then we get hurt. Eventually we stop caring. Do I tell you what, as a pastor, do you know the average career of a pastor is four years? The average pastor lasts four years before they quit and they move on to a different career, a different profession. People who went to Bible college before, they literally will go to Bible college longer than they will spend in the career, uh, in the career world as a pastor. And a lot of that reason is because we put ourselves out there. We make ourselves vulnerable to you guys. We share with you guys. We love you guys. We care for you guys. 
and then we get hurt. Then we move on, especially in Chi Alpha, because the duration of student life, you know, you guys are constantly funneling in and out. We care, we get hurt. We care, we get hurt. You guys do the same thing as college kids, as people, whether you're Christian or not, but as Christians, we're called to love. And when you love and then you get hurt, you love and then you get hurt, you love and then you get hurt. And eventually it just makes it makes more sense to just, you know what, I'm going to focus on my relationship with Jesus. Well, maybe the reason that it's not working is because my relationship with Jesus is off kilter. Your relationship with Jesus is off kilter because you're not serving those around you. And you're never going to write that ship no matter how many hours in, in prayer you spend, no matter how much you memorize Scripture. If you don't get the other wing of, of a relationship with Jesus is serving others, you're always going to be off kilter. You're never going to feel right. It's always going to feel like something is missing in your relationship with Jesus. It's always going to feel like there's one more thing you could possibly just do to just fix what's going on. There's one more thing. Maybe one more. Maybe I need to spend 15 more minutes in the Bible. Maybe I need to spend 15 more minutes in prayer. Maybe I need to, to fix this sin in my life. I've really been struggling in this area. I need to fix this sin in my life. There's always, there's always going to be one more thing. As a pastor, I still have sin in my life. I still struggle. I still make mistakes. And I've found that the longer and longer I serve Jesus, the closer I become to Jesus. It isn't about sinning less. It's about finding my humility in who I really am. And through that, serving Christ. And as I find that, find who I truly am and I serve Christ and I serve those around me and I, I humble myself and I make myself available to you guys. I make myself available to, to my friends and my family to share about Jesus and to, to love them and to, to care for them. And as I do that, I start to sin less. And as I love my neighbor more, I start to struggle with anxiety less. As I love my neighbor more, I start to struggle with depression less. And as I love my neighbor more, I feel closer to Jesus. And as I love my neighbor more, that veil that stands between me and Jesus and, and me and God, when it, it seems like no matter how many times I pray, He's not there, He can't hear me, He's not listening. No matter how many times I ask, why God, where are you? Man, having that real conversation with one of you guys. Serving one of you guys. And boom, that veil's gone. And I feel close to Christ. I feel His presence in my life. And so I can tell you this. I don't know... I don't know why I'm going off on this rabbit trail, but I hope it's hitting one of, at least one of you guys. But for me, I can tell you the closest times I have ever felt to Jesus have been in moments where it wasn't about me. The moments I've felt the closest to Jesus were when I was sharing with somebody else about who Jesus is. The moments I felt the closest to God were those moments where I got past myself and talked to somebody who I knew I knew the Holy Spirit had been telling me I need to go talk to about God. And it's just like, boom, that, that gap, that divider, that distance is just gone. And I feel God's presence. I 
And so if it's been a while since you've felt the presence of God in your life, ask yourself, what was the last thing the Holy Spirit asked you to do? And go do that thing. And if nothing comes to mind, who's somebody close to you that needs to hear about Jesus? Find a way to talk to them. Don't make it awkward. Just take them out to take them out for lunch. Take them out for coffee. Do something. Uh, sometimes we take students out shooting. You have some good conversation while going out shooting. Go out play disc golf. You know whatever whatever your thing is. Find a way to get them one on one and have a conversation with them. You don't make it awkward. Don't need to go door to door and proselytize. played Rocket League with a student once. I still consider that the dumbest game that was ever invented. I despise it. Still to this day, I do not enjoy it. No, I got my butt kicked. But once a week, we had a student who loved Rocket League. So once a week, I would come on the campus and we'd play Rocket League together. Get over yourself long enough to, to find passion in things that other people have. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these students and I, and I thank you for their patience. I know tonight was uh, a little bit longer of a sermon and, and uh, I kept, kept them a little bit longer with announcements and stuff like that, but I, I thank you for their, their attention. Lord, um, every student in here stayed focused on what you were trying to present to them and, and what I was saying and what you were saying through me. And so, Lord, I pray that my words, the words that needed to impact them would impact them. I know we covered a lot of things and I went on a lot of rabbit trails tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts for the things that are of you and that you would harden their hearts for the things that were me. Anything that was of me, I pray that you would erase it from their memory, um, that it wouldn't be something that was a, a hold up or a, uh, Anything like that, but Lord, that the things that you were saying will be, uh, become solid in their hearts. So Holy Spirit, I pray that throughout the rest of this week that these guys could find a way to love their neighbor more. That they could figure out what it looks like to humble themselves. Humble themselves. <coughs> Sorry. And Lord, I pray you would speak to each and every student about what it looks like to serve those around them above their own needs and their own desires. I say in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.